Hi, this is Erica, housekeeper of Happy Vermont. The past several weeks have created incredibly difficult challenges for all of us. We're self-distancing, working from home, homeschooling our kids, and trying to get by in this strange new world. For business owners, the pandemic has meant everything from laying off staff, reducing hours, or shutting their doors indefinitely. Vermont's $650 million cheese industry is certainly feeling the effects of the pandemic. According to the Vermont Agency of Agriculture, food producers have been impacted by the sudden and almost complete market shutdown due to COVID-19. Cheese producers are in a slightly different situation than other specialty food producers in that the products they make are not shelf-stable and in most cases have been made months or years prior in anticipation of sales for this quarter in 2020. Cheeses may also require additional cutting and wrapping in stores. For those who milk their herd in addition to being cheesemakers, they have the additional burden of trying to figure out what to do with the milk that's produced. Marty Mundy, executive director at the Vermont Cheese Council, told me in an email last week that selling product online or through specialty and artisan food store websites is providing some hope for cheesemakers. The Vermont Cheese Council has launched an online sales directory which will allow visitors to purchase cheese directly from a cheesemaker if the producer has an online shop, or find shops that offer Vermont cheeses in the New York City or Boston areas, as well as a few other locations across the U.S. You can visit vtcheese.com to find the online directory. One Vermont cheesemaker who is not selling cheese in stores is Angela Miller of Consider Bardwell Farm in West Pollitt. Miller is a literary agent who started her award-winning raw milk, goat, and cow cheese farm in 2004 with her husband, Russell Glover. I first met Angela in 2016 when I wrote a profile about her. When she announced last fall that she needed to cease operations, it was a devastating blow to Angela and her husband, as well as her staff, the cheese-making community, and fans of Consider Bardwell Farm Cheese. On top of everything, Angela had to lay off employees, sell her beloved goats, and destroy thousands of pounds of cheese. More recently, she has been working on a plan to reopen on a smaller scale this spring. Then the pandemic happened. In episode four, I interview Angela about the devastation her farm faced last fall, her efforts to reopen, and how she's finding her way through the COVID-19 crisis. Hi, Angela. Thanks for being here with me today. My pleasure. Back in 2004, you opened Consider Bardwell Farm in West Pollitt and began producing award-winning raw milk, goat, and cow cheese. And until last fall, you were producing 120,000 pounds of cheese annually, and your farm employed 20 people. Then there was a voluntary recall in 2019. Cheeses that were distributed in five states were recalled in September for possible listeria contamination. No illnesses were reported. So Angela, walk us through what happened last fall and why you needed to cease production and sales. So back in the spring, one of our cheese room assistants was planning to open her own goat dairy. So we said that we would supplement our goat milk with hers. She didn't have a lot. She had about five milk cans every three days. We test all the milk that comes in. But when you test the milk that comes in, 
you don't get the results back for four to six days. So we confined her milk to one cheese, and that was the Slybro, because we didn't want to blend it with our own cheese, because her her raw milk milk numbers were not as good as we wanted them to be in terms of bacteria levels. Not necessarily listeria or E. coli or pathogenic levels, but just she seemed to be high. And so we confined it to the Slybro and we tested every single batch before it went out. And we distributed the Slybro only to farmers markets. We didn't send it out for wholesale because it was inconsistent in its quality. It was a quality issue. And wholesalers will notice that far more acutely than people in farmers markets. By September 23rd, or on September 23rd, we had tested a couple of batches of her cheese that were ready to sell and held them in our cave. And on September 23rd, the results came back as potentially, what's it called? Potentially positive, presumptively positive for listeria contamination within the cheese, not just on the rind. In that particular cave, we also were aging our very popular cheese called Dorset, which is a cow milk cheese. So we locked down that cave. We reported it immediately to the FDA and to the Vermont regulators. And we called a microbiologist from UVM Extension named Omar. He came right down the next day. Uh, with all his equipment for testing and whatnot. And he and our food safety director went into the wash rind cave and tested more of the fibro and tested the rinds on the dors- on the dorsets that were aging near the fibro. And the report came back on the 27th that those were presumptive positives. So because the dorsets were distributed by distributors in five different states, we notified them. We notified the public in a press release, and we notified the distributors to recall all of the Dorset. So, um, you know, we don't know, we don't think that anything was positive for Listeria before that, since we tested every single one of the batches of cheese with her milk. But um, in the course of all this testing, we had also been going through a um, a really severe cash crunch throughout the year. Um, we had called in um, people from the Intervale who were coming to help us figure out how to tighten our belts and turn this business around. And by September, we really were turning it around, but we didn't have any reserves. In the course of September 30 to October 15th, we we did massive amounts of testing throughout the whole facility and found nothing, nothing else that was contaminated. So we presented a plan that we were going to sell. We were going to destroy all of the cheese that got returned and all of the cheese that was in the Dorset cave. However, since none of the, the none of the other four caves were um, contaminated, I should say through yeah four caves, we proposed to sell those cheeses and with the proviso that we would test each batch before it went out. And 
you know, suddenly we had $20,000 in testing fees and we had exhausted our finances. And I, my husband and I had taken a line of credit at the bank and we were personally um, get personal guarantors and we were trying to pay payroll with that. And I just couldn't see how we could possibly stay in business. We couldn't, we had exhausted all of our resources. I remember seeing on social media when you announced you were closing and, you know, it was, people were devastated. I can only imagine how it felt for you. I also noticed quickly there, there seemed to be this sort of outpouring of community support and then eventually some news about potential investors coming in to help. Did that support take you by surprise? And and also, how did the fundraising and investment efforts come about? We did not. Investors reached out to us, um, and we spoke to them always. Um, We did not want to take loans. We had decided to do a GoFundMe, and we used $50,000 as our goal. We attained about half of that. By the end of December, we really did have a plan in place and we had a solid Vermont foundation preparing to work with us, get a new business plan and get back on selling by, um, well, I was using April as a, just a target. And we were planning, we're, our business plan was to start up on a more abbreviated scale on a five-year plan to grow and um, try to build a new facility that the current facility that we're in, we had outgrown. So we can't, we were killing ourselves to make 120,000 pounds of cheese. It's just between making 120,000 pounds of cheese and on a staff that was overworked, not necessarily underpaid, but definitely overworked. There was a morale problem last summer. Um, Where am I going with this? Um, I think I'm heading right into coronavirus because we hired a lawyer to help us revise our corporate entity. Um, The executive director of the foundation that is, is or was interested I don't know at this point because there's so much calamity going on. Um, had done due diligence and found that our brand was not um, tarnished. People in high-end cheese shops felt we had done the right thing, and um, and ultimately no illnesses or worse came to our attention. Um, but I know that I did a talk for the Vermont Cheese Council annual meeting on February 29th. And nobody knew what was just around the corner. And now I'm hearing that the specialty cheesemakers' sales have um, reduced by 50%. People are trepidatious about going to grocery stores where they can buy Cabot or Kraft or some of the bigger companies, but people are not so brave to 
go to specialty cheese stores, even if they're open, and spend $26 a pound on a piece of beautiful cheese. So I'm worried about so many small cheesemakers, not just in Vermont, but the whole country. My husband, he kept saying in January, this is going to be a disaster. We're not doing anything. We're going to go into recession or worse. He pulled his 401k out of the bank. <laughs> um, we did, we had bought a, a, a rather interesting old building in the village of West Pole in 2011. And we built a beautiful apartment in it. And lots of times staff stayed in it. Um, we were able to sell that in, I'm going to say, late November, and it was all cash. So, you know, we were just trying to gather up as much cash as we possibly could and figure out how to deal with this bank line of credit that we have. Right. And on your website, you you mentioned that you're still looking for funding to help reopen the business on a smaller scale and making three of your cheeses. Do you still see that even with everything happening right now, like maybe three or just doing one, the Paula cheese? Well, we most of the cheeses, the softer cheeses had degraded by the time we, they were degrading during the time we weren't produced um, in production and selling. And so we had, we didn't have to, but we um, destroyed all of the probably 3,000 wheels of Paula. Mm. Sounds like a lot more. Um, We do have 500 wheels of Rupert, which ages like a beautiful bottle of wine. I mean, some of them are two years old and they're called Rupert Reserve. I haven't even tried. What we were going to do is start selling them judiciously through a couple of um, very high-end specialty stores in New York and doing a party to celebrate them. And if we sold those Ruperts, that would give us, uh, they're they're 25-pound wheels that cost $28 a pound. So, you know, we'd get a lot of funding if we could start to just sell what we have. Um, and we can do that. It's fine with the regulators in Vermont. It's just, there's something about the depression level of this COVID on top of uh, the cataclysmic ending of, you know, a wonderful business. So I hope this doesn't sound like too depressing <laughs> message. <laughs> you, you may want to bag it. Um <laughs> But I am genuinely worried about everybody. Well, the whole economy, you know, you hear one feels a bit removed from the dire warnings that the economy could crash. But then there are also these people who work every bit as hard as we do, did. And so sad. I mean, it could end up being a very positive learning experience if we all, I don't know, make a plan 
Vermont. Chief Council is trying very hard to set up some kind of mail order system. Um, we have, we're selling Rupert that's cut and wrapped and priced in our farm store as well as um, things from other small makers, uh, producers, uh, not cheese, but uh, maple syrup and meat and eggs. People love farm fresh eggs. So, so you, if I went out and I could, I, so I could still find Consider Bardwell at some specialty stores. Um, you will. I I went down to New York and I think it was late February, and I talked to a sort of high end tastemaker called Saxelby Cheesemonger. Um, the owner is Ann Saxelby. And I said, you know, I'd like to reintroduce Rupert through her. She also, she's not just a store, she wholesales to restaurants. Um, and she was into it. And I got a close friend of ours who was going to arrange a whole social media push. Um via restaurant platforms. Um, but now the restaurants are all, are all closed. So that's suspended for a bit. So uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I, I want to, um, I remember when I first heard about you and when we first met back in 2016, you know, I learned that aside from running the farm's business operations that you're also a literary agent for culinary writers. And when we, when I met with you back in 2016 down in West Pollitt, we were talking and we spent a couple hours together and you had mentioned that being a book agent is kind of a breeze compared to farming. I'm sure it especially feels that way now. Can you talk about what you love most about farming, even despite all these challenges? I loved the goats, the personalities, the the personalities. Um, I'm an animal lover in any event, but there was so much about farming that I didn't know that I learned from local farmers and such an appreciation for the level of information you have to have to be a good farmer um, and maybe farmers would say the same thing about you know the mystery of being a literary agent <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was such a gratifying learning curve to get to know these people who are gener multi-generational farmers and uh, I was fortunate to have a lot more maybe marketing experience that I in in book publishing that I could convert to use for selling cheese and so for 15 years we were able to support three sometimes four farm families and and lots of employee families that makes you feel really good. Um, and it makes you feel 
really, really shitty when it all falls apart. I'm sure. What's been the biggest lesson that you've learned over these past six months since last fall? Oh, that you can, you can survive. I mean, I, I view what happened as a tragedy and you can survive tragedy. I, I've been really lucky in my life. So probably this year has been the most, fr- I mean, I was down near the World Trade Center on 9-11. And I know I'll always experience that as a huge tragedy, cataclysmic. But the the loss of a business is a huge loss. And my husband and I have both went through PTSD until about Christmas, the holidays. I mean, we just would wake up in the morning and feel like zombies. Just owing, we owed so much money. We had about $100,000 in accounts receivable, but everybody stopped paying us. We had no money coming in from the cheese sales that were already out there. Um, survival, I guess. And that's what I'm hoping happens to most of us with the COVID virus. And my whole, my whole psychological outlook is really affected by this pandemic. Something that has never happened in, to, to this extent in my world. And I do think it will change things radically and I have no idea how. I do have my business in New York that is kind of saving me in terms of uh, colleagues. We get on the phone every day and support each other. Um, and they're all very supportive of the cheese business too. That was, that was always a big feather in my cap. you know. <laughs> and that's, that's not there now. Right. I know it's, it's, extremely difficult. What do you hope for the future? I'm still hoping that we can start up again and make a growth plan, but it's going to be a whole new world. Um, We always did well, really well at farmer's markets. It always accounted for a huge, like a third of our income. So I know we can do well on that scale, and then scale up as we feel our way. Well, Angela, thank you so much. I I wish we could I wish we could talk under better circumstances. But like I said, you know, you've been on my mind since last fall, and I remember our the first time we met so fondly. And I love your cheese, so I am rooting for you. And I know a lot of many, many people are. Yeah, we have we have the fantastic recipes that have been perfected over the years. And we have a good name. And so if we can just rally our forces and live through this pandemic, then, you know, it'll happen. People, people will always want food, need food. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, um, Angela, thank you so much. 
for your time today and sharing your story. Very much appreciated. You can learn more about Consider Bardwell Farm at www.considerbardwellfarm.com. Thanks for listening to the Happy Vermont podcast. How is your life being impacted by the coronavirus outbreak? What are you doing to make it through this difficult time? Send me comments, story ideas, or feedback at hello at happyvermont.com. Stay safe and healthy, and thanks for being here with me.